I want to go ahead and stand and worship with us. Good morning, Carpenter's Way. 
Okay, so you probably see some green shirts uh, scattered throughout the uh, the audience today. We have something really cool planned for you later. I'm not going to talk about it now. I really want to, but we're going to do something cool later. So just hang on. Uh, if you are visiting, we want to say welcome. If you are interested in that's CC. If you are interested in learning more about Carpenter's Way. We have Carpenter's uh, Way 101, which is kind of our path into membership, if you're interested in. But um, if you are, you need to go ahead and start heading out to what we call the library right over here. Uh, you can go to either door. There's some doors right there. They're going to start here in probably like 10 minutes or so. Uh, for everybody else, if you want to uh, continue to stand and worship with us as we sing. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The love of the Spirit of life has redeemed us. From death into life now, we walk in His freedom. We are the children of God. No condemnation. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life has redeemed us from death into life. As we suffer for his name and live as his children, we long for the days we can run from this
God, if you will direct your attention over here to the baptism. Well, good morning. Um, this is such an amazing day for many, many reasons, which Pastor Chad said we're going to talk about here in a minute. But the first of the wonderful many reasons why we gather is to celebrate a young, sweet, precious little girl who asked Jesus into her heart several weeks ago and is wanting to tell all of you all, hey, I'm a Christian now. This is my little friend, Carly Jones. She just finished kindergarten at Burley out here in Lufkin and proud dad, Travis, and mama, where's mama? Laura. <laughs> it's going to come on up. We've recently just, I guess within this year, are changing up the way we have baptisms. Oh, you see this precious, precious little picture, and we want to give you just a snapshot of how she came to make that decision. So we've asked kids to write a little something. So Mama's going to read uh, about just her salvation story, because we want y'all to know how she came to make this important decision in her life. And then after that, Dad will baptize. After that, Granddad's going to say a prayer. We see their whole, what, three rows here, family. It's so wonderful to have y'all celebrating with us. This is a big deal. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> not very good at this, but <laughs> I think it's going to be best that I read this. Carly and I and her dad all wrote this together last night and had to make sure I had everything right because if you know Carly, she would probably correct me from up here if I got it wrong. I am <laughs> um, Laura Jones. This is my husband, Travis, and this is Carly Grace Jones. Uh, she turned six in January. And on May 17th, we were driving to school, and Carly is in the dual language program, so she started asking me if I knew some Spanish words. That didn't last long, because I don't know any Spanish. Uh, things got pretty quiet after that, because obviously I didn't know any of the answers, and it was pretty early, and we are still kind of tired and not quite awake yet. Um, but shortly after that, Carly said, oh, hey, Mom, I was thinking last night and I'm ready to get baptized. I immediately asked, why? She said, um, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Honestly, I was really thinking that it had to do something with the water because Carly's six, and we have a swimming pool, and she loves to swim. So, um, But I quickly realized that was not the reason why. <laughs> so Carly responded with, because I want Jesus to live in my heart forever. I said, well, all right, we'll talk to Daddy this evening when we get home. Sorry, I'm shaking so bad. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that evening was our middle daughter's 16th birthday at Cafe Del Rio. So we had arrived early to get a table. While we were waiting, Carly and her dad started talking privately, since it's pretty loud in there. And within a few minutes, Travis looked at me and said, we're about to go outside. And I immediately said, okay, do I need to come? And he said, I think so. <laughs> so the three of us uh, walked outside and sat on the bench in front of Cafe Del Rio. <laughs> and that's where Carly prayed the prayer to start her walk with God. We are so proud of Carly and this decision she has made. And we're also so happy to be here and be a part of a church that has encouraged this in her. So I guess take it over from here. <laughs> Carla, do you know you're a sinner? Yes, sir. Do you believe that God sent his son to die for your sins? Yes, sir. 
Lord, with you saying that, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bobo, will you say a little prayer for Carly Grace? Smile, Carly. <laughs> Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you the blessings upon it. And Father, we ask now that you just be with us as we uh, serve you in, in our walk of life. And Father, we ask that you just bless Miss Carly. And Father, we thank you for the family that she comes from. And we ask now the blessings upon this uh, service today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How precious is that? Would y'all stand as we read the scripture together? So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This whole priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Alone somehow I stay. Where even angels fear to tread I did by redeeming love Before the throne of God above He pulls me close With nail-scarred hands into his everlasting arms. The nation grips my heart, and Satan tempts me to despair. I hear the voice that scatters fear. The great I am, the Lord is here. Oh, praise the one who fights for me and shields my soul eternally. Yeah. 
sorrows, discouragement and pain, spelled my temptation and overcame, overcame. Miss Alicia to come up real quick. So Pastor Jeff said, don't talk too long about Grow Camp. 
Mm, that's going to be hard not to do. It was such an amazing week, y'all. The Grow Camp, we reimagined VBS, completely redid it. Times, let me just briefly tell you about it. So Grow Camp, Grow stands for Go Reach Our World. Right, kids? Go Reach Our World. So each night, it was last Sunday through Wednesday, so we had Pastor Chad and part of the worship team. I had a Bible lesson. So, of course, we want our children to grow in their faith, right? Yes, that's number one priority for me. Yes, growth. So, yes, so we gave them that opportunity each night to worship, to pray, to listen, to learn. Well, we also gave them an opportunity to grow, like in, in an area of interest or a skill or a craft. So, y'all, we, if you don't know this already, there are so many talented Carpenter's Way people, professionals, people with PhDs. I mean, they came and shared their knowledge of of what they do. So we had 10 different breakout sessions of 10 different Carpenter's Way leaders, woodworking, wood burning, games, jewelry, glow-in-the-dark fun. Who knew that glow-in-the-dark would be such an amazing class? But they loved it. So they had, there were 10 different sessions and they got to pick their top two. And so they got to attend each night. So we encouraged them through, uh, obviously through growing in their faith, and the secondly in the skill and the talent, and then the third thing we encourage them with is to use that now as a kid, right, as a student, and then even in the future for how to be excited and ask God, how can you, how can you use me? How can you use these talents to reach other people for you? And so our missions offering, y'all know VBS, we're very famous for missions offering contests, right, boys versus the girls. And the last several years, man, I have lost big time. The boys have pulled through. Well, this year, our missions emphasis was Carpenter's Ways, our very own Katie Warner, who had served in the Dominican Republic last year and felt that call to return. So our goal, fundraising goal for Katie was $2,000. Y'all, the Lord just above and beyond supplied what she needed. So far, I think it's, Miss Wendy, it's like 2900 some odd dollars that was raised for Katie for her to return and for her work, sharing her talents and skills with the, the people there in Dominican Republic and her love for the Lord. So that's just a very brief, <laughs> very brief summary of Grow Camp. And yes, I've already had questions. Yes, we will get to do it again next summer. Yes. I just got to get look at the calendar and figure out a date and time. Uh, but yes, we will do it again. We will pre-register. Uh, we will ask Carpenter's Way people, just the body of Christ, y'all, being the body of Christ. It was amazing. It was amazing. Children were saved. People, and I'm making follow-ups, getting with parents. Children made decisions for Christ. It's some want to know more, are interested in being baptized, pray for me. There's a variety of different responses. And so please be in prayer um, for those families, for those kids, as they're thinking about this. Um, and as I'm following up, and, and as our prayer team prays, so please keep these kids in mind. All right, kids. Now we're going to watch a video of Grow Camp. So this will help explain to parents and grandparents a little bit more about the week. So as the video plays, y'all come up front. Come up, come, come up to the front. Up. Get the green shirt on. Your kids come up yeah, front. kids, yeah. volunteers, if you want, if you want to dance too, we'll do this. Pastor Chad wrote a song for us for Grow Camp. So even if you forgot your green shirt and you want to come up and dance, y'all come on. We'll watch the video Talk first. Yeah, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Oh, 
ties, it's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Just on a personal note, I have to tell you, this week was amazing. 
Uh, just getting to, to play and sing with these kids was so fun. It was so cool. Uh, they set the bar kind of high, I'm going to tell you, so your adults need to step up your games. Um, and they were all over the place. They were having a good time. They were enjoying themselves. Um, I guess what, what I would say is our future's in good hands, right? Uh, just look at these kids. Uh, this is the future of the church. And uh, man, that was fun. We had such a good time. So uh, Pastor Alicia had asked me a little bit ago to write a song for camp. I'm like, no pressure. And so anyway, she asked me to do this and actually said the theme was go reach our world. And so this is kind of what we came up with. Uh, and I say we because my wife, Teresa, she's going to be right here doing motions. And Mia, my uh, seven-year-old, uh, they came up with some motions for the song because you can't have a song without motions. So they came up with the motions. And so we're going to try to teach you guys the course real quick, uh, the motions. So we're going to do it a couple of times. And it goes uh, a little something like this. I want to go, go, go. Me show, show, show how your love has set me free and go, go, go tell the world so they can see you're amazing. Y'all got that? Y'all got that? All right, adults, let's see it. I wanna go, go, go into all that you had for me. Show, show, show how your love has set me free and go, go, go tell the world so they can see. Here we go. I wanna go. 
You guys did so good. You can either join your parents or go to GPS now. What an awesome week. Um, one of the, I have the best job in the world because I get to, I get the opportunity to see God's people work together. And, you know, we've, man, we've been on, Jill and I have been on mission trips. We have done VBS for probably 40 or 50 times in different venues. But this was the best week I think I've ever seen. Just just watching. That song Chad wrote. I mean, he's not very good at writing songs, but that one was pretty good. And 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 the kids sing it, and they're singing things, and they're learning. And to, to watch James Worley and David uh, Sullivan teach kids wood burning. Did you see Doug starting fires with your kids? <laughs> that, was, that probably wasn't the smartest thing, but... It was amazing. We had sewing classes and just, just what God did this week, you guys. It was just an amazing week. But to actually stand back and, and watch Chad and Teresa work together with the worship, to watch Alicia and Jeff. Jeff did all of our digital stuff and oversaw all the technology. But one of the things that Annie had pointed out to me this week is all of our technical positions were, were being run by students. So our, our high school teens and junior high were neck deep involved in all of this stuff. And, uh, I mean, it was just... And, and I got good news. If you, if you didn't have a kid in this, Adam is as crazy as we had hoped he would be. I mean, he's nuts. And, uh, but he was working with Alicia up front, and he became an ice cream sundae because the boys lost. And then somebody donated money, more money, so Alicia had to become part of the ice cream sundae. It was, but, but what a week. God was glorified. And it's, it's one of those moments. Um, VBS is one of those moments when you can see all of God's people doing their thing. Even those that aren't next, necessarily gifted with children, they come in and they become support staff. And, and to watch all of that is awesome. And uh, another thing that was kind of incredible this week is we had more worker volunteers than we had positions, so we had to turn some away, which is really a weird thing to do. Uh, that, that actually allowed Julie and I to kind of go around from group to group and see what was going on and get to know some of the kids and play and, and, and uh, wow, just what a week. So you need to volunteer early next year so you can be a part of this because relationships, you guys, are built. If, if you're new to Carpenter's Way or if you're old to Carpenter's Way, man, you, if you feel like you lack relationships, the best thing to do is get involved in ministry because you spend time together, you pray together. So anyway, what a great week we had, and uh, I just, man, my heart was encouraged. What a way to come out of COVID. I mean, it was just so very, very exciting, and, and um, so thank you for all you volunteers, but thank you, church, for praying, and thank you for giving. You know, we couldn't do any of these things if there weren't some sort of financial resource, so thank you. You were a part of this even if you weren't here, and uh, it means a lot, and uh, wow, what, a, what an amazing time. Um, so, but 
We need to jump into our scripture this morning. For those of you who are visiting with us, we are walking through the book of Acts together. And what we're doing is we're kind of standing five or ten feet behind the, the people in the story and just kind of observing and making ob observations. The book of Acts is important in the New Testament because it's a historical, it's, it's a church history book. And it takes us from the point of Jesus ascending after the resurrection, Jesus ascending into heaven, sending his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, into the hearts of his followers, not religious people, but people who are disciples of Jesus, who have accepted his offer to forgive their sin, who are following him, and he guides them and he leads them. And as we watch this, we've watched the church grow. Through persecution, they ran out of Jerusalem, which is where the mother church is, and they run to Judea and Samaria, and then eventually God calls some of them to travel through the rest of the world to share the gospel. And it is an amazing story, and what we're doing with this is we're just kind of walking through it together and making observations. Uh, last week and this week are uniquely connected because uh, in last week we just simply watched, but something happens in chapter 16 and 17 that we're going we're gonna to visit again today because I want us to observe how Paul goes about ministry. Uh, Proverbs 16.9, I want to start with this. Proverbs 16.9 says this, that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And you're familiar with this verse because I've thrown it out to you before, or if you've read the Bible. This is a very popular proverb, and it's a, it's a little bit unnerving. And we often think, well, I did the best I could. But I think you have to understand, first, that we make our plans is not a sin. There is a part of Christendom that thinks that if you walk with God or follow God is a better term. If you follow him, you need to just stop making goals and plans and just, 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 uh, just close your eyes and just wait for God to send you somewhere. That's not how it worked. It never worked that way in Scripture. What we have to understand with this proverb is, while we make our plans and we set an agenda, it is God who actually redirects our steps. And that is one of the things that we have been looking at in uh, Acts. And I want to pick up I want to pick up there in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10, and I know the last two weeks we've discussed this, or the last three weeks, this chapter, so I'm going to kind of skim it. Jeff preached on it a couple weeks ago, and then last week I, I kind of put it in its context, but in the observation of how Paul went about making ministry plans, I want you to notice that, then I want you to see how God determined his steps, because I think sometimes we get discouraged or we think that difficult moments in our life are, are uh, like parenthetical times. It's like, okay, I'm not able to do God's will because I had a heart attack, or I'm, I, I've got cancer, or man, my job, I just got fired. I just need to get another job so I can refocus again, and then I can serve the Lord. But that is not what happens in this text. And, and I hope that as we go through Acts, and yes, I'm talking quickly because my time is short. I don't have the normal two hours that I normally have, but I'm just teasing. It's usually an hour and a half. But uh, but I, I, want, I want you to understand that your experience as a follower of Jesus, and I really want us to start getting saying it that way. What am I? I'm not just a Christian. I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a churchgoer. I am a follower of Jesus who goes to church. That's the priority. Every song that we sing, including the song that we sang from, uh, from camp, talks about Jesus because Jesus is the answer. If you are a sinner in need of saving, the church can't save you. The church can't even save herself. The church is full of problems. And, and yet, uh, our pastors fall. Our friends fall. People walk away. But Jesus Christ never, ever fails us. 
He never, ever walks away. He has written us on the palm of his hand. I, I, loved, I loved what Grandpa said this morning. Forgive me for calling you that. But I love what Grandpa said this morning. Her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not because she was baptized, but because that night at Cafe Del Rio, which will fill your stomach, her heart was full. That night, her name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life because she accepted the offer of Jesus Christ, not a Jewish guy, not a Baptist guy, not a Catholic guy, or a Jehovah's Witness, but the God of the universe accepted her as his child because she, she admitted she was a sinner, and he's the only one that can save her. And he wrote her name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the book of Revelation said that names written in there will never be erased. She will for eternity, because of that moment, she will know her Lord and Savior. If you have never, ever accepted his offer, not the church's offer, but his offer to save you, man, this morning, right where you're at, you can admit you're a sinner and he's the one that saves you. And then he begins to grow you and he does take over your life. It, 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 and, it's, and it can be difficult. Because while we make our plans to be, have a good marriage, to have a great family, to have a good country, while we make our plans... The Lord determines our steps. And sometimes they're painful. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and Silas traveled through the area of, of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. So pay attention to the story. Then coming, out, uh, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again... The spirit of the Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through uh, Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, remember we said that he starts using that, that, this new pronoun, we, because Luke is now with them. Do you ever wonder why Luke records so much of Paul's ministry? Because much of it has Luke going with them. So he's recording his own experience. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded, having concluded, please note that after two other times thinking God was calling them to go somewhere, two other times God, they, they're heading for somewhere, they plan to go somewhere, and we don't know how, but God stopped them. The Spirit of the Lord said, you're not going there. So by the third time, they have this vision to go to Macedonia. We call it often the Macedonian call. And they're like, okay, I guess that vision from the Lord, I guess we should go there. So they head there. As you go through your life and you go, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go to college? Who do you want me to marry? God, what, you know, whatever, whatever question, he may not give you the answer you want. So what do you do? You head. You head, you head in the direction you want to go. As you pray and as you seek, if you want to go to A&M, Go to A&M, and if he wants you at SFA, you'll end up there. Even if he has to send a whale, it happened again this week. Did you see that? I told you it's not a fairy tale. Now, this whale spit him out, but I, I guess the first whale spit him out. But the fact is, we have stories in Scripture where people, <laughs> he should have gone to Nineveh. For those of you not, la uh, not laughing, it's because you haven't been watching the news this week. Some, some diver who, who, goes down, <laughs> who goes down to pick up lobster got swallowed by a, a whale. And it went in his mouth, and apparently the whale panicked because he had super big plankton in his mouth, and he started shaking his head. The guy said he was in scuba gear, and the guy said he didn't. It was black, <laughs> I'm sure, and he the thing took to the surface and spit him out. And the guys on the boat said they just saw this guy get vomited up. I was like, well, whatever. We've heard that before. So God, God, God does His thing. 
He does his thing. We act like we act like we can outthink God, outcreative God. Don't be afraid. Just just pray about it. Seek his direction. And if you have four colleges that you're interested in and God doesn't tell you which one clearly, then head to the one you want. And if you go the wrong direction, just don't go swimming. Don't go swimming. You'll end up right where he wants you because while while we make our plans. God determines our steps. And, and you see that right here. So they concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there in Macedonia. And, and again, Proverbs 16.9. I'm going to keep coming back to that. We make our plans. The Lord determines our step. And I, I don't know if we, if, who's on the computer, but I'm going to move quickly, so keep that finger there. But this is the point. Just because right now in your life things are not going the way you planned, I just want to get back on plan. Do you really? Um, I, I understand the frustration with that. I am a clean lines kind of guy. But I think much of my life I've been asking God to join me where I want to be. That's not following Jesus. I need to follow him. And that means that there are no mistakes in the plan. Even if sometimes my sin causes the mess. I make my plans, but the Lord determines where I step. And, I, and I, I, just, I just want us to get back to understanding that this has always been and always will be about God. His plan, His direction, His guidance. And, and I think we, especially as this country gets weirder and the world gets stranger and we feel more like aliens and the world comes against us as followers of Jesus, I think we have to remember that there are no accidental places and locations where God places us. That's very hard to accept sometimes. But you're going to see that here. So in verse 11, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of uh, Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside of the city of the riverbank. So a couple things. He'd never been there as far as we know. He didn't know where to go, so he stays several days. And in that time, he must have been acting, asking, are there any believers in Jehovah God and Yahweh here? Are there any followers? Is there a Jewish synagogue? And apparently, the only place that people gathered to pray on the Sabbath, verse 13, they went a little way outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. So again, as you read through the, 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 the sentences, you begin to realize, wow, they don't really know what to do. So they do what they always do. They look, for, they look for synagogue people. They look for Jewish people, people who study the Scriptures. And we spat, sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of the side notes, and somebody brought this up to me last week, and I, I do want to make it clear that why wouldn't these women then start a synagogue? Because back in that day, it was required to have at least 10 men to lead the synagogue in order to have one. And, and from this, you get the sense that there were no men there worshiping. So this, this city may not have had any men that worshiped the God of the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, but there were women. So they go there, and they speak with the women gathered there, and verse 14 says, One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant, expense, a merchant of expensive cloth, who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree with I am a true believer, if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay with me at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Now, I, I know I talked about this last week, so bear with me. 
It never hurts to repeat because this is going to take us into chapter 17 in a moment. But I want you to sense how much uncomfortableness there is here. And I talked a lot last week about this where they had to be urged until they agreed. There's a sense there. They didn't want to stay at Lydia's house. I can't tell you why they didn't want to stay at Lydia's house. I mentioned last week it could be because she's a woman. It could be, who knows? But she had to urge them and actually had to manipulate them with her words. If you really believe I'm a follower, you need to stay with me. And it wasn't a romantic thing because it's talking about all of Paul's, all of Paul's work team here, his whole mission group. This wasn't an inappropriate thing. She just invites them to stay. And she urges them until we agreed, Luke said. So Luke and the whole team stays there. Another example of, of Proverbs 16, 9. We make our plans. We're going to go live in the tents. He could have had a comfortable tent next to that tree where they prayed. Why? Because Paul was a tent maker. We'll get into that in the next couple weeks. But Paul had an occupation. He was not a vocational missionary. He served and he worked everywhere he went. Paul earned his way. So he probably had a comfortable home. And these aren't tents like you and I use when we sleep in Big Ben. Did I tell you that I did that in the tent this year? Did I mention that I lit a fire by myself and everything and I, I, I watched the sun come up and I slept in a tent and what a man that makes me? makes me a Texan. Because okay. I just wanted to remind you that even with short hair, I'm a Texan now. But it, it's growing out again. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore me. So, so the, 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 it could have been just a comfort thing, but she urges and she manipulates until they stay with her. And the Lord wanted them to stay with her. Because in that, they disciple her. Acts 16, 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening. Now, this is the part that Jeff preached three weeks ago, and I referred to last week. But I want to remind you that while they were there and ministering in that town, there's a lady who's demon-possessed who keeps following them around, and they keep pointing. She keeps pointing at them going, these guys are from God, and they're going to tell you how to be saved. Now, somebody emailed me and, and asked me a great question last week. Why would that be annoying with them? Why wouldn't they just enjoy that kind of proclaiming? Because it says that Paul, after day after day of day of this happening, he gets sick of it, and he casts the demon out of her. Well, I, I don't know the answer to that, except that she probably was genuinely annoying. Who, who knows what else she said? But he casts the demon out of her. And see, she was a, the kind of woman that her owners, she was a slave, her owners made a lot of money through her. She would tell people's future and fortunes and different things. And when the demon was cast out of her, no longer did she do that. So they have Paul and Silas arrested. And they're taken into prison and they're beaten. And then they're thrown into, uh, into uh, the inner dungeon and around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Verse 25 tells us of Acts 16. And they were singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword and killed, to kill himself. But Paul shouted to them, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We talked last week about good days and bad days, remember? You see, if you're following Jesus, they're, they're really they're the same. Well, a day may be good for you, the day Lydia and the women follow Jehovah or Yahweh, 
That's a good day. It's a bad day when you're thrown in prison and beaten. But if you follow Jesus and you believe that he's guiding and directing your steps, you still worship him even in, when you're bloodied and beaten and in and, 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 and chains. Please remember, as the world gets darker, and at some point in the future, according to the prophecy, it's going to get bad for us here. And God's going to redeem us. But before we get there, it is supposed to get weird. The church needs to stop acting like, like this is out of control. It's not. Most of us grew up in churches that told us that the, about the Antichrist and all those things. And I'm not going to get into those this morning. But you know persecution is coming. Scripture has told us persecution isn't new. It's always been about the church. But we act like it's a mistake. But look what Paul and Silas do. They worship and they sing. And then, the, and, and then they don't run for their lives because their goal isn't to spare their own lives. And they actually lead a jailer to Jesus. Can you imagine how angry they must have been at him in the flesh? But they love him enough to tell Jesus about him, and they trust God enough to set their steps. That was not in their plan. It wasn't in their plan, but they were surrendered, and even the most terrible moments of Paul and Silas and New Testament believers are still God's because they understood that he was ordering their steps, that he was doing their work. Moms, your children parenting may not be what you expected it to be. Teachers, your kids may in fact be demon-possessed. You should meet their parents. It may not be what you expected, but you, if you are following Jesus, are right where he's placed you. Stay the course. Stay the course. Our job, like you saw, is to help you. That's why we have Pastor Alicia, and that's why we have Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Adam. Our job is to help you, to support you, to encourage you. But one of the reasons why we love to have fathers like Travis baptize his kids is because as we talked about, he is the first line of spiritual defense. It's his job to disciple with his wife. I don't want to leave you out. It's his job to raise a little godly young lady that understands that the cost of following Jesus is big, but we follow him anyway. Not the Baptist church. Not, not the Christian agenda focus on the family, but Jesus Christ. We follow him. And the cost may be great. Husbands, it may be that your wife is not what you dreamed, or wives, it may not be your husband is what you dreamed, but they're your mission field. It's your mission field. Single children of God, you may be so frustrated you're not married or even dating. But if you believe that you make your plans, but God orders your steps, you can have joy even in singleness. Some of you struggle with being um, infertile or not having children. I understand how painful that is. We went eight years with, through that. And it is difficult, and you wonder why, and you're embarrassed, and all the feelings that, that in your head you know aren't rational, it still hurts. If God sets our steps, we can trust him even in the pain. It's not that the pain isn't there. It's not that the doubt isn't there. Children of God, it's okay to head towards your dreams and life goals, but follow Jesus even if he leads you away from your dreams. Because like Paul and Silas and Luke, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God, this salvation thing. 
Salvation is not a reward for good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. And the big finish, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He planned for us long ago. In other words, God's got this massive plan for your life that's just as significant as Paul and Silas in our time and in our region and in the people you're around. You are specifically saved and retooled and recreated for exactly what He wants you to do. So follow Him. Follow Him. It's time for us to stop attaching God to the bumper of our lives like some sticker on a car. God will never, ever be pleased in being the co-pilot. He demands to drive. We must follow his lead even as we chase our dreams. Their ministry trip continued after this in Acts 17. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphilus and Apollonia, and he came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue, as was Paul's custom. He had a ministry plan. He had a program plan. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Paul had a ministry plan. Luke refers to it here as his custom. You even see it in the previous chapter where he goes to the, to under the tree where the women were meeting. It is reasonable to believe he didn't find a synagogue, but he spent three or four days looking for people who were worshiping, so he got there expecting for a prayer meeting to take place. And he ministers there. He usually began ministry in a town with a synagogue or a place where people worship the God of the Hebrews. Why? So he could open the scriptures to them, show them things that they did not realize, and then God would do his thing. Verse 5, because some, uh, after people start following Jehovah God, on the other side, some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a, form a mob and start a riot. That is crazy. Can't we just have good days in God's kingdom? And apparently the answer is not with Paul. You see, we're in a war. But our battle isn't with people. Our battle isn't with people who make rainbow cookies. Our battle isn't with gay married couples. Our battle isn't with Democrats or Republicans or Donald Trump or whoever our battle is with, with not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces who lie to people. We don't wage war, Scripture says, as the world, and we have completely lost our spiritual minds. We've lost our minds. But we're losing our culture. You never had this culture. Ask black folks in 1700s. That is not godly enslaving people because of the color. They're saying, well, that's not my fault. It's just the nature of people. Our flesh dominate. What the sinners want now is they want not just acceptance, they want affirmation. They've always wanted affirmation. And we should not be freaking out. All you got to do is read this book to see it. 
You have jealous Jews. You would think that since he's going into the synagogues, they would love to deal with Paul. If you've got answers for Paul's statements, why don't you wrestle with him? But they couldn't. Because Paul used the truth for the spiritual battle. They were jealous and they gathered troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Who's this Jason guy? You know, I want to remind you that, that I think a better title of this, and the church has called this the Acts of the Apostles. There's only like three apostles actually even named in the whole book of Acts. But there are hundreds of people like Jason that we rarely talk about that are mentioned in this book. When I was younger, I always wanted, and starting out in ministry, I always wanted to be, you know, the song I grew up as a child, Dare to be a Daniel. I always wanted to be Paul or Barnabas. I always wanted to be one of the big names. I'm going to be like John. I'm going to be fearful. Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But do you realize for every one of them named, there are thousands of people that aren't named that are just faithful men and women of God. So who's this Jason dude? Just the guy that Paul and Silas were staying with at this time. Jason. And they attacked his home searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers. Instead of, of Paul and Silas, they took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are disturbing our city as well. And Jason has welcomed them into his home, and they're all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king, some guy named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and they released them. I want to remind you that Paul's missionary, second missionary trip, what this is usually referred to as, was when he and Barnabas decided that they needed to go revisit the people on their first missionary trip that happened because the church sent them out to spend the, send the gospel throughout the region. They were concerned that they needed to be discipled. They needed to get updated from Jerusalem. So they were going back to encourage, the Scripture says, the saints. They weren't going there to cause trouble. They were going to encourage them. And now look what's happening because of their ministry. Jason and the other believers are now enduring persecution themselves. That was not his ministry plan. But that's where the Lord set his steps. Paul would need to be reminded that those he had discipled were followers of Jesus and not him. And it would cost them as it would cost him. This morning, we observed a young lady take the second step after salvation to say to all of us and her family, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus, so I'm going to obey by way of baptism. That baptism in the water doesn't save you. It's just warm water. But she took a stand. And the truth is, as she goes through her life, and she grows up to be a, a young lady, and, and she's discipled by her mommy and her daddy and her church, there will be seasons where she doesn't walk with him where she makes bad choices. That's just part of the deal, right? To see God's grace even as his child. But as she surrenders her life to him, there will be trouble simply because she's a follower of Jehovah. That will happen. And if you're not raising your kids to understand that following Jesus 
makes others jealous and hateful, you're not telling them the whole story. It is our job to raise up spiritual warriors from the earliest ages so that they can stand against the lies of the evil one. The other thing that's a lie in our culture is nothing is worth giving your life for. That's a lie too. This is. Don't give your life for the Southern Baptist Convention. Don't give your life for the Assemblies of God Convention. Do not give your life for stupid stuff. But in a heartbeat, give your life for Jesus. He's worth it. Because 10 seconds of pain opens the door to an eternity with him. YOLO's a lie. You don't only live once. You're going to live twice. And the next one's better. This life is hard. It's painful. It's unsettling. And then we go to heaven. For a child of God, this is the closest thing to hell you will ever experience. If you are not a child of God today, if you have put your hope in something other than Jesus Christ, and you don't turn your eyes upon Him, and you don't repent of your sin, this is the closest thing to heaven you'll ever experience. Men and women, as you look at culture going and doing its thing, why shouldn't they search for love and joy and peace wherever they can find it? They don't know Jesus Christ. We will never yell them into the kingdom. We will never badger them into the kingdom. They will want to be in the kingdom when they see joy, peace, and hope in our hearts despite what we're experiencing. When we go to prison and we've been beaten and we sing praises anyway, that's a hope and a faith and a joy the world does not understand. That's our testimony. Not what we say, but what we are. And we got to get back to being a follower of Jesus even when it hurts. Why? It's Proverbs 16, 9. Acts 17, 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Now, I want you to pause. I want that to sink in. Because Jason and the ones now that had to post bond and were beaten and run out of their home, now they're, sinking, they're sneaking Paul and Silas out of town going, you guys go on, we got it from here. While we hail Paul, I'd like to say these people are just, if not more courageous, you go on and do your ministry somewhere else, we'll take care of things here. I don't want to be Paul and John and Daniel anymore, I want to be Jason. You know why I love East Texas? Because I can serve the Lord in this small community with you and watch us do VBS. And yes, there's going to be weird things come in, but I love being not known. I don't need to be famous. I don't want to be famous. I want to be faithful. And this is where God called us. So when they arrived there, after being sent away, they went to the Jewish synagogue, as was his custom. See, Paul had a program. He had a ministry plan. He had a mission plan. It always starts in the synagogue or with Hebrew believers. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Wow, if you are here this morning or watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're in a search for truth, 
I want to say something really weird. Don't trust me. Don't trust people on TV. Don't trust your pastor. Go to the Scriptures. I mean God's Word. The Bible itself. Get a modern translation and just read it. Start with the Gospel of John and find out who Jesus Christ is. And don't listen to what other people said about Him. Just see what He said about Himself. Study the Scriptures. Be like the Bereans. These weren't saved people. These were Hebrew people. They just wanted to know the truth. I know you may be seeking truth, but seek it from the right place. The Word of God. And if you don't have one, Pastor Adam will buy it for you out of his budget. I'm kidding. We'd be glad to give you one. We'll give you one. We'll buy you one. I'll read it with you. But go to Jesus. We cannot save you. Jesus can. And I got news for you. No matter who you worship, whatever God, Buddha, whoever, name your God. Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus, is the only God who wants to save you. Everybody else is telling you how you have to earn your way to Him. You will never be good enough to earn your way to Him. Jesus says, come to me, all of you, and I'll give you rest. So he goes to the Jewish synagogue and the people start studying the Scriptures uh, day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, verse 12 tells us, many Jews believed, as did the many of the, govern or the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the Word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast. There's some more of those unnamed people. You guys move on. We'll take care of the problem. And what do they do? They keep living. They keep teaching. And some of them are killed. Some of them are thrown in jail. But they're faithful. So they sent Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. This was not Paul's program plan. His plan was not to go to the synagogue. His plan was not for the people of Thessalonica to come over to Berea and cause problems. But the truth always stirs up for trouble. It offends people who live a lie. I have a warning though. We need to make sure that it's the truth that stirs up trouble and offends, not our attitude towards the lost. Please. It's not about how you feel. It's about the truth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And if people call you that, you're in good company. So despite all this trouble, Paul doesn't stop though. He goes to the next town that the Lord leads him through and he finds a synagogue. Verse 16 of Acts 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. I love this. This gives us insight to Paul's personality. He's frustrated. He's, he's bothered. He's angry. Do you ever find yourself deeply troubled by the things the lost are doing around you? This week, I certainly hope you took the proper stand on rainbow cookies in East Texas. Because that's what God wants you to do. Do you ever find yourself annoyed? Well, for heaven's sake, the church needs to rise up and take a stand on cookies. Especially if they don't taste good. Paul was deeply troubled. Okay, Watch this. Paul was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. 
He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. There's that plan again. He had also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. But rather than telling them how offensive their idols were, now, some of you are thinking, well, how do you know what he said to them or didn't say? Maybe he was trash-talking them. Well, it tells us in the next part that he told them about Jesus and the resurrection. They said, what's the blab, uh, this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others says, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So, in defense of them, they're not arresting him. They're not beating him. They want to hear what his, his God's about. So you tell us about your God. He hasn't alienated himself from their gods. He's just simply talking about his God. And here's why I say that. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as, long as, uh, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had the inscription on it to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, he's the one I'm here to tell you about. I love this. This is so cool. Please know what he doesn't do. The cookies represent something God did long ago. What are we talking about? It's just a dang cookie. We should be talking about him. Because if we win the cookie debate, and we alienate the people that need Jesus, we've lost. The point is Jesus, redemption, adoption, salvation, which God sent his son to do on our behalf. And thank God he didn't look at you and go, oh, you're a porn guy. Gross. Or you're a jerk to your husband. Or how dare you, whatever, fill in the gap. We were all really, really in trouble. And somebody resented us for that trouble. I know, I got saved and sick. I had never sinned. Stop it. If you want to know what you would have really been like, look at your bad days. Your post on Facebook, maybe? Take a step back. We've got to understand that the message isn't an anti-Democrat or Republican message. It's not an America First message. It's Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. And so while he was deeply troubled and bothered by all of the shrines and all the false gods, he tells them about Jesus and his resurrection. He seems to be preaching about some other gods, they said. Then he took them, uh, they, they took him to the high council. What verse am I on? 23. <laughs> so he goes to the high council and he says, Men of Athens, I notice that you're religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had the inscription to the unknown God. Verse 24, let's jump down. He is the God, I love this, that's the God I'm here to tell you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand that when they should rise and fall, and he determines their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move 
and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold, silver, or stone. Wait, wait, did Paul just quote a pagan philosopher? Well, we should only use verses. The Romans road, maybe. No. Truth. When the I've always thought, and you know, these are my thoughts, and you can disagree with them, and I respect that. But if if heterosexual marriages end in such a high percentage of divorce, and people are broken, imagine what homosexual marriages are going to do. And maybe instead of trying to keep something that'll never be outlawed again outlawed, maybe we should build relationships with these people so that when their marriages do fall apart, we can tell them about the one that will love them like no other. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to have gay friends. Then you are not a follower of Jesus. You might be saved, but you're not following him. Jesus spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes and demon-possessed people. That's different. That's what Peter said in The Chosen. You need to watch it if you hadn't. When Jesus is calling Matthew out, and I know it's not the Bible, but it's just great. And, and Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you, you, that's Matthew, he's a tax collector. You, you don't understand. You shouldn't make him one of your followers. And Jesus looks uh, at Peter and says, well, I chose you. And Peter said, that's different. And Jesus said, get used to different. You see, our kingdom is an upside-down kingdom where Jesus loves gay people and adulterers, and liars, and thieves, and Baptists, and Mormons, and Jehovah's Witnesses, and Assemblies of God people, and he's not concerned with who you align yourself with. He just wants you to follow him. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be forgiven from your sin. He wants you to be his child, which is why this was all made possible. And everybody seems to be talking about everything but that. And Paul, what an incredible story. Verse 29 and since this is true, shouldn't we think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone? God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. So we pause, and there's that word that we don't like to use today. Repent. Paul isn't saying, I'm good, you're good, we're all good. It's not universal salvation. He's saying, repent and turn to God. But I've I got to warn you, church, if we keep picking sins that we don't like, like adultery or homosexuality, and we ignore things we do, like gossip and eat too much chicken, not me, but you, we don't understand that people don't go to hell because they're gay or they're overeaters or whatever. That's just a symptom of dissatisfaction in their soul. What we go to hell for is that our nature is not redeemed. Jesus came to redeem nature. That's what he came to do. He came to redeem, to transform us from death to life, to give us his spirit so that we could walk with him and follow him and tell others that they too could be redeemed and brought from death to life. I'm almost done. Stick with me here. He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he proved to everyone who, uh, who this is by raising him from the dead. Paul's message was not about false gods. It was about the one true God that could and would and wanted to save them from the very thing that had troubled him if they would simply turn to him and repent of their sin. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. 
But some joined him and became believers. Among them were a weird named man, a member of the council, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Proverbs 16, 9. That is the story of your life. That's the story of my life. I can have big dreams. I'm going to be the next D.L. Moody, only less fat and not as hairy. God says, no, you're not. You're going to be Mark Wilkie. You're going to be in East Texas, and you are going to love your flock. And I do. And that's because you're lovable. You're all a bunch of squishy, furry things. I brag on you all the time. I can't help myself because I really do like you, uh, most of you. <laughs> and we're in this together. Do you know what's really cool about this, you guys? And I, I, pro I promise I'm about done. I said about in case I, st I don't stop. Do you know what's really cool about this? We get to do this for the rest of our life every Sunday and every Wednesday and gather. We get to see each other in our, just, our mall that's falling up, Texas Roadhouse. We get to sit outside. I have already joined the call waiting list. I called ahead. I said, I'm driving my way there. I'll see you in six weeks. <laughs> the, the truth is we get to see each other in this town and go, oh, there's my brother and sister. We go to church. We don't go to church together. We're family. I get to pray for you. You get to pray for me. And when I have a bad day and one day my heart will fail, you can remind me as I'm laying there that God's good and he determines my step and it's okay to go home. And I'm going to remind you of that and then a thousand years we'll high-five each other with our silly green shirts on and we're going to grow, 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 grow. Because that's what this is about and this is where joy is found. And if you weren't part of our camp this week, you missed out on an enormous amount of joy. Watching people love on each other was so much fun. I know that it sounds like pastor speak. I'm serious. It was a great week. And it's a great life, isn't it? It's a great life. Go sit outside this afternoon for five minutes. You'll start sweating. Then go in the air conditioner and tell me you don't love technology. <laughs> it's so beautiful. We were complaining about rain a week ago. But you know what's awesome? Is we got people in this town that eat rainbow cookies and some, they need Jesus. Go tell them about Jesus. Well, I don't know how to do that. Then don't do it. Just take them cookies. Take them dinner. Take them coffee. How about sitting in the backyard and just having tea? Well, I don't know what to say. Don't worry. It'll come up. And you just tell them what God's done in your life. Family. What a calling. What's the worst they can do, Jesus said? Kill us? What an ending. Let's close in prayer. We love you, Lord. We're thankful for this wonderful week. We're thankful for this wonderful life. We're thankful, Father, that we got to celebrate a young lady who gave her life to you recently. I thank you that we got to celebrate a week where brothers and sisters served together. I thank you that we got to sing songs this morning that remind us of Jesus and the cross and his resurrection and hope. I thank you for this text that reminds us that bad days aren't really bad days when you're following Jesus. They may be painful days, they may be uncomfortable days, but they're not bad days. They're God's days. So may we fix our eyes on you and never look away. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Congratulations. Doing a great job discipling. Uh, Bible study will start in 10 minutes. Thanks for being here today.